Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. We are a proud member of the 143 Podcast Network. The Cheers to Comics podcast is proudly affiliated with NSCLiveTV.com. That's No Signal Comics. NSCLiveTV.com. Find the Cheers to Comics podcast on channel 34 of NSCLiveTV.com. No Signal Comics. The best in auction action. Well, hello again, everybody. Welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I'm your host, Brian Wayne, and this is Creator Corner. Creator Corner is when I go through and I give a comic book creator of some caliber a uh, a little spot to promote what they have going on. We talk about what they've done. We pick brains, you know, an interview. So this this particular Creator Corner is once again ultra special to me. This, this guy did a book that fucking rocked 2019. Sean Christopher Lewis. The book he did that, that real man was Thumbs, and we dive into to Thumbs uh, to, to a point. There, there gets to a point where I realized if I got any further, I was going to go in, into a three-hour podcast, so I had to refrain. But we definitely we get some good stuff out of all of it. And his career in Hollywood and how all of that translates and it was just an awesome conversation all all, all in all with sean lewis so uh without further ado i bring to you the creator corner featuring sean lewis all right mr sean lewis how are you sir i'm good i'm good thanks for having me tonight uh, I'm I'm happy to have you on. This is a this is a podcast that I've been looking forward to for a while. I know that we kind of started talking a little bit back when Thumbs was first released, and you said wait till the trade, and the trade is near. So here we are, man. I'm excited to talk. Yeah, you you've been really really supportive, which I I definitely uh, appreciate. Comic books is a really weird uh, business. <laughs> to say the least. Yes, it is, especially when it comes to indies and you know, uh, comic book shops taking chances on ordering indies. I could say that you know, I have my uh, my hand at Mile High Comics, so I always make sure that there's thumbs on the shelf there, or uh, not on the shelf for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is a uh, this was really my introduction to your work, and then I started doing some research and realized that I got a lot of catching up to do, man. So I want to. I want to dive in here. I want to pick your brain, have the listeners kind of get an idea of what's going on and where all of this uh, this magic comes from. And yeah, man, I'm ready to talk comics. You ready? It's cool. Yeah. I, actually, I just want to throw out one thing just because it's surprising you brought it up. Like uh, Mile High Comics is actually where the very first comic book I read was bought for me. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. My family lived out in Denver for a very short time when I was like six or seven. 
And my uncle, who is the guy who got me into reading comic books, he was a teenager. He was 17 at the time. He went to Smoky, Smoky Hill High School. Is that out there? Okay. Yep. <laughs> okay. So he went to Smoky Hill High School. Um, and I remember like he would be forced to babysit me when he went to the mall. And, uh, and I remember he, the, one of the times he had to babysit me, we ended up going to Mile, Mile High Comics and he got me, I think it was a GI Joe comic. I can't remember that exactly, but I remember making a bunch of trips with him when, uh, when it was the babysitting weekends that he, that he was forced with, with me. How old were you? I was probably about se- seven years old. I, nice. moved, I moved back to New York around like seven or eight. So it would have to be in that, that window. That's incredible. What a well, that couldn't have been a more perfect segue because you know this is uh, this is where I ask what got you into comics and apparently you know Mile High Comics seemed to be the the stem of all was the stem of it all despite the fact that you were too young to remember exactly what it was. Uh, what was the first thing that you actually remember reading where you said, "Holy shit, this is this is comics." Uh, well, that same uncle. He, so I I grew up with him in the house with us for a, a long time. So I used to like raid his comic collection, and then he went off to the nice. Air Force after high school, and he left his comic books behind. Um, and so I would just go through the boxes. They were underneath a bed, and there was another one in the closet. And so like he was really into. So really, a lot of what he was interested in were the things I was getting exposed to. Sometimes too young. Um, you know, he was a big DC Vertigo fan, so I was reading a lot of okay. like. Black Orchid and thing. And then I'd say like the things that I first started discovering on my own when I was probably like 13, 14 um, were like, I was a huge X-Men fan during the, the Claremont, the endless Claremont run. Um, I liked Daredevil a lot. There was a, a stretch. There was a stretch of these like character stories. I think it might've been Frank Miller. I've been going back and finding some of them. That were like daredevil kind of out of costume where there'd be an issue where like there was i remember there was an issue where a kid was on uh he had smoked angel dust and he jumped through a window and daredevil spent the entire issue trying to track down where he got the the angel dust from and so it was a lot of it was a lot of books like that i read a lot of darker books probably for my age like i read cloak and dagger back then cloak and dagger x-men um superman would sometimes sneak in and batman superman would be like the ray of hope i guess that would Gotcha. And occasionally. Well, the, the, the darker uh, root of it all is very, I mean, that, that explains a lot when reading Thumbs because it, it has a dark tone to it. Uh, there's, I mean, it's, uh, man, there's so many emotions that come out of this, but, uh, you know, happiness isn't really one of them. <laughs> I mean, on some levels, but at the same time, I mean, you get relief. Relief is part of it, but I don't know if I would consider that. Uh, you know, joy by any means, because this is a, I mean, this is a hard hitting. When you talk about being inspired by Frank Miller stories with Daredevil chasing, you know, going after dudes on Angel Just and everything, I immediately thought, hey, I read a book that get, oh shit, thumbs. <laughs> you know, like this is, <laughs> so I, I oh, these are the, these are the conversations I love to have because that makes a lot of sense. It does. Um, so from there, at what point did you realize that you wanted to make this a, uh, uh, just something you did, whether it be for fun or say, Hey, I want to be a goddamn comic book creator. Uh, at what point did you realize that? Like late, like, like really, I mean, the opportunity to do it only really came about, about four and a half years ago, 2015. So it'll be five years in like May. Gotcha. Um, Okay. Yeah. I didn't know how you, I mean, 
so my want to work in comics was way before that. Like when I was in, you know, like Catholic school, I would, I would make like little comic books about our teachers or about the kids in class. And okay. I'd, sell, I'd sell them in class for like a nickel or a dime. But, gotcha. um, but then when I got out of like high school, I didn't really know how you even got into the comic book business. Um, Who knows how you get into comic, the comic book business, man. That's the thing is there's still, there's way people don't know. This is a, it's, it's crazy. It's such a mystery to so many people. If you talk to somebody that doesn't read comics and say you're in the comic book industry, they, they, they treat you like you're, you're in the mafia. Like, how'd you get in? You know, it's, it's, it is a tricky thing. I remember being told by numerous people, I think maybe Steve Orlando had said to me when I first met him, he was like, yeah, basically everyone gets in a different way. And then they like, it's like they dig a hole and then they bury the hole the moment that they've gotten to the other side. <laughs> it is weird. It's a really weird industry how that works. Cause I even know other writers who are, you know, who've done some professional comics who will hit me up and they're like, I I'm, how do you get work at other places? So it's not even, they're like, I got into this place, but like, I can't get work anywhere else, even though my books are doing well. Like, how, how do I do this? And we're all kind of like, I don't know. It, it seems to happen in such strange in such strange ways. I mean, yeah, I feel like the, the ways that each publisher takes their submissions is so different. You know, at Image, I feel like you could just know a guy, but at Dark Horse, you got to go through some shit. So, I mean, it's uh, this is just from experiences that I've been told on you know other personal levels. But uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I can imagine if you know you you go through one route. Okay, I'm trying to go through this place, and it, that, that 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 didn't work. Yeah, I could see how someone could be like, well, shit, how do I do this? So uh, I'm curious how you got in with Aftershock, man. Aftershock, I reached out to them after I'd done. So I did my first book at um, at Image. I mean, Image has been primarily my my home. and, and Okay, I've... Image was first. All right, gotcha. Yeah, no, Image was the first one. And that was, you know, so I had, um, I was working, I have been working primarily as a playwright for most of my adulthood. And, um. I was working on a play and I met a guy and we needed to do projections for the play. And he, he was doing these drawings that were like silver age Superman. This was this guy, Benjamin Mackey. And so um, me and him started talking about comic books and we both had this like religious background. I had gone to Catholic school forever and he taught himself how to do art by looking at religious paintings. And so we came up with like this weird X-Men idea that was like, what if the X, what if God like left heaven and the X-Men ended up being like all these atheists who just got like endowed with the powers of Catholic saints? And, um, and it just made us laugh and we thought it was weird. And like Catholicism also has a lot of darkness in it. And, um, and so we made this comic book saints and I didn't know what you did with it. We, we just did a whole issue for ourselves basically. And then, um, <laughs> I basically, I, I, at the time on the image site, there was a, there was an email address for Eric Stevenson, who's the editor in chief. And, um, I just sent an email to him, which I found out later that like most people have said to me, they're like, that was a horrible, like I would never do that. That's like such a bad idea. Um, and weirdly enough, like six months later, I was on tour with a play and I got a phone call from Eric himself saying like, you're the guy who did saints. Do you want to do that here? And that was it. That was the that was that was how we got published at Saint at at, uh, at Image, and then while I was there, the next book, Hayden, who I did Thumbs with, as as Saints was wrapping up, I had had this idea for a comic called The Few, and um, yes, yeah, yes, so, Steve, I just know, discovered this while doing research on you, and knowing that you had worked with Hayden Sherman before Thumbs makes me 
uh, oh, I haven't had the time to digest it, to be perfectly honest, since <laughs> last night when I when I realized this, because you and Hayden Sherman, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's okay not to digest it. It's a massive book. <laughs> like, it's a really big it, graphic novel. It, is it? Okay. Um, it, well, I, 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 I need to, uh, oh, oh, wow. All right. Well, I, I can't wait to, to dive into this, man, because I am uh, <laughs> just knowing that you and Hayden have a past makes me realize that there is an incredible future as a combination between the two of you, because that's, that's the first thing I sell when I'm selling thumbs as people say, I'm looking for something different and beyond just the story being unique, you open it up and you say, I've never seen art like that in a comic book yeah. before. And that's the first thing that sells them. And then they, they get through the first five or six pages and they say, where's the rest? <laughs> and uh, so the, you, you guys work such so well as just, a, I mean, a marketing team for that matter. Yeah, um, it's, it's, I mean, Hayden's amazing. I mean, I knew the first time I saw his art, just like you said, I was just like, no one's, no one's drawing like this. It just came right off the screen at me. And I was like, I gotta figure out how to work with this kid. Um, Cause yeah, I found Hayden on a Facebook page. Um, for oh, shit. Yeah, he was, Boom Studios used to have like a, I think they still run it, but I don't know if anyone looks at it. They had a Facebook page that was like Boom Artist Submissions. <laughs> and um I had had the idea for the few and I didn't know how you found artists. Like I had no idea. And I, I just was like, oh, artists are just like dropping their portfolio samples into the comments of this Facebook page. So I just scroll, I spent like a whole weekend where I just scrolled through them and I found Hayden in that. And I also found Caitlin Yarsky who I've, who I've done a, who I did this book coyotes with and we're about to do another book together um, on the same weekend where I was just like, oh wow. It's like both of these people are, amazing but yeah Hayden's art just like there's such an energy to it like it it feels so cinematic and alive like it's coming off the page that I was just like this dude's incredible and it also and then and then there was intense jealousy from me because Hayden was like 21 at the time and still in college <laughs> that kid's only 21 are you fucking so, kidding me <laughs> I, I, I think Hayden's 23 or 24 now but when we did the few he he literally was drawing that entire book during his last semester of college that's gnarly man it's insane oh yeah no keep this kid keep this kid by your side because you have you you two have something here i'm not like a mcfarlane or not a mcfarlane i'm sorry uh snyder capullo like i'm daniel warren johnson mike spicer type of just relationship where you can only see those guys working together and uh, man, I, I cannot wait to go through and read the few. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets its own trade negotiations episode, just like I did with Thumbs. I know. So, oh, man, this is to know that you found someone like that on Facebook. It's got to give a lot of hope to a lot of a lot of writers out there looking looking to, to get so. lucky. You know, I do think that there's a really big thing. There, every once in a while, I'll see like these arguments that pop up on Twitter about like, doing free samples or should you post your work or not post your work or, or like, how do you get work as an artist or as a writer? And I'm like, the only way I've, I, I just knew it from theater, like in th theater is also difficult to break into. And the only way you get in is by spec is by like writing a play that no one paid you to do. And then someone gives you an opportunity because they like what they see in it. Like, you know, I found Hayden and Caitlin cause they just, they threw their art up on a like for free on a on a Facebook page and it was like hey let's do a comic together and they they took a lot of faith in me because like I had just done Saints nobody knew who the hell I was like it wasn't like Saints was 
I love Saints, but it wasn't like that book was selling like crazy at all. Um, and it was just this type of thing where it was like, hey, do you want to do a book together? Like, I I'll bring the writing, you bring the art. And they both, in both cases, they were just like, yeah. You know, I think they read the scripts and they were like, these scripts are cool. I'd like to draw them. Let's do it. Um, and, and yeah, so I like, I, I definitely encourage people. I'm like, if you have, this is the thing, if you're trying, the one thing I do know is that if you're trying to break in, having an actual comic, whether it's long or short, that has a beginning, middle and end, it, it makes a huge difference. Like, yes, you know, even more than even just having an eight page sample, if you, even if you do a, a really good three to four page comic that has, that shows you can do a full arc, both as an artist and a writer, it's something an editor can hold on to and go like, that thing stayed with me. Like, that was cool. Yeah, see, I, I find that to be the the deciding factor as well. I mean, a lot of indie creators, uh, you know, they show me their stuff to, to, you know, in hopes I talk about it on the podcast and stuff like that. But to be honest, you know, just submitting a couple of pages makes me think, okay, well, you know, how long did three pages take you? And can you finish something? So that's, you know, yes, having a, a full a full thing done, a full issue, full story arc, especially. I mean, that's definitely going to going to help out, man. And you, you know how to do it in four issues very, very well. Uh, is is there going to be more thumbs? Because I feel like it wrapped up real, real nice. Like, there yeah. doesn't have to be more, but... Things over. <laughs> thumbs is over. Good. Good. Um, I'm, thumbs... I'm happy with that. Yeah, Hayden, Hayden and I actually are, are very quietly already starting to work on a new thing, so... See, that's, um... that's all I needed to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as long as as long as uh, you know, it doesn't have to be thumbs, but as long as the the two of you got something going, then, I mean, comics comics have something to look forward to. That's that's for damn sure. And I really do look forward to reading your your other stuff beyond just uh, with, with Hayden. You know, Clan Killers is one. I started reading the synopsis for it. And I thought, why the hell? What? Where did? Why did I miss this book? It's and just so many. There's so many books. <laughs> I never even get but that upset that's about my it. Job. That's my ah. job is to know the book, Sean. I'm supposed to tell people how many books there are. <laughs> like, I, I, feel, I, I feel like I, I did a disservice to the community by not calling out. I did a disservice to myself by not talking about clan killers, man. This sounds amazing. It was uh, Clan Killers is really fun to work on. And Antonio Fuso, who did the art for it, is also mm. like really awesome and has his own, his own style completely. And I mean, I'm first generation Irish and that thing's all like crazy Irish myth. So in that sense, it was like a lot of fun to work on because like a lot of Irish myths are just like crazy things with their own versions of like vampires and giant banshee women. And, you know, like, like, so like there's headless horsemen, like they, there's just a lot of these cool things you can draw from that, that are just like totally fun to write and dream up and, and great for an artist to kind of run wild with. Is this where you kind of flex your, your comedic hand? Because, uh, you know, the stuff we've talked about so far, most of the, the uh, books you do, like I said, are far from comedy, really. Or I, I haven't, I can't say for sure about Coyotes, but the tone I get out of that doesn't feel comedic. No. That's just the tone I get out of it. No, Coyotes right. is definitely serious. I mean, I think the ones that are, I mean, there's a lot of dark humor in Clan Killers. It's a, sh it's a straight up action book. Like, I wouldn't say that there's like a, a bigger social relevance or, or idea okay. at the center of it. I would say like saints veers back and forth from like total cartoon comedy, like Kevin Smith level humor to like Garth Ennis level violence. Um, okay. it, it wow. shifts. 
Yeah, Saints was fun. And when it came out, I think like people either really loved it or were like, what the fuck is going on? The tone of this book is constantly moving, which was was kind of the kind of the goal because like I mean, I grew up with the Bible as a pretty constant thing in my day-to-day life at school. And like stories would go back and forth from being like horribly terrifying to like utterly ridiculous in modern concept or like really beautiful. And so like when we made the book, I was just kind of like, can I make a book where like from page to page, like it could shift from being really gorgeous to really scary to being, you know, like a stoner comedy. Um, so, like, so that was a fun one to, to work on. It's definitely the one that like leans more comedy. I think some of the things I'm doing coming up are going to have more humor and more fantasy involved. So right, right on. Well, see, this is one of the questions I had because you're not just a comic book guy. <laughs> you're a, uh... You, you you play you play a part in uh, I don't can you call it Hollywood I don't know the proper terminology but you do stuff on the TV is the point point. and yeah. you, you you direct just, it you direct a comedy series I do I direct Adult Ed uh, which we we did at uh, that like um, was created by a really good friend of mine named Matt Delapino who's an amazing actor and it's gonna be on he's on a ton of shows right now um, and then like. Aubrey Joseph, who was in the TV version of Cloak and Dagger, um, he played Cloak. He's in it. Campbell Scott, who is in Spider-Man and a bunch of movies I grew up obsessed with, is in it. Um, that's been really fun. You know, like we um, – that was a brainchild of Matt's. We had done some projects together, and um, yeah, he invited me to direct it, and then the Tribeca Film Festival picked it up, and then some other places uh, grabbed it for distribution. So, I mean, I, I don't live in Hollywood. I live in upstate New York. <laughs> Um, I okay, did, see, that's why I wasn't sure because you know, <laughs> gotcha. I, tra- I travel a lot for work, um, and like I'm, I'm, I mean, because of the uh, excitement around comics right now in the Marvel universe, I mean, there's definitely work I'm doing with at times with people in the Hollywood world. Um, oh. But it's, I wouldn't. I, I think it would be uh, disingenuous to be like I'm deep. There's a lot of other people who are I think working much more deeply. I, I'm kind of just finding projects I get excited about. And if they work, then I, I kind of run towards them and, and try and see where they, they might go. Like if, if something bigger happened with Ed or another opportunity came out of it, then I might follow it. I might not. I don't know. I'm, I'm not always uh, traditional, I guess, in the way that I, I follow the career stuff. Um, no, there's nothing with that, man. I think some of the best things happen by you know, taking that, that other direction for sure. And I, I admire anybody that does the, the non-traditional path. Yeah. I think it's also just how you want your lifestyle to be, you know, and, uh, I, I think there's certain things around Hollywood that I, I love, like, I love making things. I love, I love movies. I'm a, I'm a movie addict, um, more than anything, probably, probably. Um, so like there's definitely fascinations and interests in that, but there's also like, I like, being close to a mountain and a river and I like I like having my day-to-day free to be able to write um without worrying about doing meetings or can we afford our mortgage because the city is insane or you know things like that that you know they all just kind of balance each other out and then I also have you know my my wife and I have a young son so it's also you're constantly negotiating and figuring out like well what's good for you and what's good for him and what's good for me and how do we try and make those things sort of match up gotcha yeah, well, yeah, definitely. Uh, oh, man, I could, I, I couldn't imagine that that type of, uh, <laughs> um, well, decision to have to carry, you know, as far as that 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 perfect balance. 
but you seem to be doing it well. It doesn't show any struggle in your work. That's for sure, man. Well, That's I mean, for them. The, comic, the comics are so fun, you know, and it's awesome to have a collaborator. Like, I think I, I like the com I like the comics more than most things I do because it's just awesome having someone who's also in a hundred percent. You know, like like you and the artist, especially on an indie book, like you're both just in. You're like, I believe in this. Do you believe in it? And they're like, absolutely. And so, like, you're just constantly bouncing ideas off of each other. It's super collaborative. Like, I, and then it's it's like Christmas every time the art comes in. Like, it's the best. Oh, oh man, I <laughs> I couldn't imagine. I, I felt that I, I used to to dabble with little shitty webtoons or whatever. But I felt that way when I got a good script. Like it was like, oh yes, it's time. <laughs> like, this Absolutely. Is, I mean, it, it's uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I could see how working with an artist could be much more fun than working with actors or producers or. Uh, I, I like working with actors too. It's just it, it takes so. I, I mean, you know, coming up in theater, I'm used to primarily working with actors, and that can be, it can be really wonderful. I mean, I, I'm sure I know that I know there's writers too who have experiences with artists that they'll be like, that was a horrible experience. I mean, people are just people, so it can go either way. I think the biggest difference is that like. As long as like Hayden wants to do a project with me, like we can actually make the whole project without anyone saying no to us. Like we might not get it published. Like like we need someone to help us with that. Although at this point, you could also self-publish. Where like when you're making something like like a, a TV show or you're trying to make a film, there's just so many. You can't do it without at least a a, a fair amount of bodies. And so that that in itself like just makes it so much harder because you're like okay I have to like get along instead of like finding the perfect one person you get along with and you share the same vision you're like great we got it you're like I gotta find twenty people I gotta find thirty people and that's I think why film's so hard is you're like it only takes one person in a in a very necessary role and there's so many necessary roles who does not see the project the way that you do or is just not happy working on it for that entire project to get fucked. Like, like for, for see, the quality of what you're making to drop immensely. See, and that's that completely validates the point that I'm always trying to state in which there should be more people making comics and less people focusing on movies. Because there could be, if you take the amount of people, the creative brilliance that goes into one movie and separate it into teams, you get 25 fucking different books. You know, like, and with that, that, that's the source material for it all. So let's take a break. Let's uh let let's let's make some comics and then boom get back to making movies and we have new stuff and people can't complain about rehashing and all of that other shit. So I mean because uh, I don't know just for that all the reasons in which you stated it's it just feels like it would be the easier right route to take with the biggest benefits in the end. I guess if you take money out of it, there's no yeah, money in big, comics. <laughs> there's no money in comics. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that, uh, but who thinks about money? You know, Hollywood doesn't <laughs> think about money, right? It's <laughs> the harder uh, sell of it, for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. But let me just leave that part out in the pitch, and we, we got this. We got this. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Well, the, it, it does excite me to know that you and uh, um, you you have stuff in the the works for sure. Um, now, being that you have a background in just directing alone, that's that's a big title to hold. What are the odds of you pitching one of your comics for you to direct on your own? Is this something that you inspire to do or aspire to do by any chance? Maybe. I mean, it's definitely. 
conversations that come up with my representation and, and with like people that I'll know in like film and TV or that I've worked with that they're like, why don't you write a spec based on the few or why don't you write a spec based on saints? And like, you could write and direct it. Um, you know, sometimes I just think the comic is exactly what I wanted it to. <laughs> Again, this is where it's not always probably the best career decision. Like sometimes I'm just like, you know, the comic is like exactly what I personally wanted it to be. And if someone else wanted to adapt it, I'd be open. Cause they, they probably see something in it that I don't right now that, that their expertise could really make better, you know, like, like good adaptations are amazing, right? Like I'll, I'll go and see an adaptation of a comic or a book I loved. And when it's done really well, I'm like, Oh wow, that those filmmakers really saw something in the book that I never even saw as a fan. And they, they made it like twice as exciting as I, as I expected, like bad adaptations obviously are bad. Um, I mean, I think if the right project came along, I'd be really into it. I, I, I can say that nothing I've written so far on the comics form is something that I've wanted to direct. There's some of them where I'm like, if this ever moved to another media, I might want to be the person to write it. Um, cause it just feels really close to me, but di directing is just a different beast. Cause directing takes so long. Like a, a project can take a year or more, like often two years of your life. So you're kind of going like, do I want to spend two years in this world? Like, is that, is that where I really want to be with this? And so far, none of the, those things are, those are things where I'm like, oh, I, I would write the screenplay. That's like two to six months at most. But, but two years or more is not something I've, I've seen right now where I'm like, yeah, this is, I have this much more to say about it, right? Because I feel like that would be the thing. I'd have to have even more to say about it for me to want to control the direction of it, it, it like I'm the actual directing of it. That, that makes a lot of sense. That, that does make a lot of sense for sure. And to be perfectly honest, us as comic book fans would rather have you devoting your time to working on, well, making new stories instead of sitting in an editing room beyond, behind an editor's shoulder for, you know, <laughs> all me, that time. And honestly, me too. I'm a, I'm a really impatient. I mean, that's part of, that's a big part of what I've had to learn about myself is I'm just like, I'm very impatient. So like I want to be working on stuff and making new things all the time, which is really hard if you're um, like as a as a straight ahead true film director, like that's that's tough. You know, there's a reason why like Scorsese and Paul Thomas Anderson and like some of these great directors, like and, and all directors for the most part, it's rare that people are making like a new movie every year. You know, like it, it's three years, four years, five years, some, sometimes even longer for people. Um, and they're working on those project, their projects the whole time where with me, I'm like, oh, when I do a comic, like if you have good collaborators and it's fun and the stories are coming, you're like, I could do a, a number of these in one year, let alone two years or three years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I, I'm, I fully back that, that, that ethic for sure. Um, that's, that's once again, why I say more people should be doing the comic. Could you imagine if. Scorsese wrote comic books, the type of fucking badass shit that he could put out in the abundance. And the, I mean, compare, I mean, I know Scorsese is a bad example on account of how he doesn't appreciate comic. John Carpenter, for instance, that dude can write a goddamn comic book. Imagine if that's what he did. He devoted his time to writing comic books. It's pure quality. And uh, man, uh, this, uh, once again, once again, it, it all comes back to money but you know you know it's you're proving my point man i'm glad this this completely validates 
100% why I did this podcast for sure now. I got <laughs> the, the proof, at least for me, it settles that point within my head, knowing that someone of your caliber agrees. Just money. But <laughs> yeah, um, a- go ahead. No, I was saying it's, it's, it, it, it's a big one. I mean, the difference between writing a screenplay and the guarantees that you get from like the, the, you know, the Writers Guild versus what you get when you write a comic book is, is a pretty big difference. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's, uh, well, um, shit. I, uh, <laughs> you, you said that you have something secretly in the works coming with, uh, um, Hayden. Is there, is that anything, is there anything about that in which you could talk about? Um, it's going to be really, really different than thumbs in terms of presentation. Um, I mean, I know with, with thumbs in the few, you know, uh, one thing I, me and Hayden had talked about a lot when we first worked on the few, and then we continued it and kind of expanded on it with thumbs. It's like with the few, we were both just like, what's not in the, what's not in the marketplace right now, and like, wh- what kind of experience can a comic book give you that we don't feel like we're getting? And so I was really into lots of I, I love novels and books like, um, uh, like like House of Leaves that have like all this annotated stuff and extra elements to the story. Or I loved reading, you know, Tolkien and having maps and, and quotes and, um, and the size of it. And so we were like, okay, what if we did a sci-fi with the few, we were like, what if we did a sci-fi book that actually slowed down? Cause I was reading a lot of books and seeing a lot of movies and I'm like, they're just so fast. Like the action's occurring so fast. I can't keep up with anything or, or you know, like I'm, I want to know more about the characters. So we were like, oh, what if we did a really quiet sci-fi dystopia book and made it like 40 to 50 pages per issue, which, which everyone was like, this is a bad idea, <laughs> but it's, it's surprisingly sold really well. It, it really caught an underground following, um, and which was great. And then with thumbs, we both start talking about like, what do we want the book to feel like when you hold it? Like, what are some things we can do when we're missing from comics? And we both were talking about magazines, like the old heavy metal magazines. And like, what if we made it feel like a book? So that's where we started going like, well, let's spend some extra money of our own actually. And, and like get gl- the glossy covers that are heavier. So that like when you hold a single issue in your hand, it's actually got some weight. Um, and then we, that's where we were also like, what if we did these backup stories that were like self-contained little little mini stories that were like between three and five pages each, which, you know, is really a testament to Hayden because that's an, a lot of extra work for him that we're not really getting paid for. Like we're not getting page rates. We're, you know, we're owners of the book. So it's just a matter of like, if it sells well, that's great. But if it doesn't, like we're stuck. Um, and so that was a lot of the thought with Thumbs is like, what if we did another book that felt like a novel that was really big in terms of page count? Um, and allowed us to expand on story in ways and, and really allow him art wise to have like, you know, his splash pages are so amazing. And what he can do with size and scope of a page um, is incredible. So I was just like, what can we do where like your art just continues to surprise us and grow and explode? And so like that was our approach on thumbs. And now we've kind of looked down, we're like, okay, we've done some mega books. Like what happens if we, what happens if we challenge ourselves in a new way? So I would say like in terms of its format and um, and even subject matter, like we've done two, you know, basically like sci-fi dystopia books. We're like, okay, what if we we take what we love about collaborating with each other and what our audience likes about what we do and we and we kind of turn it on its head a little bit. So 
I think it'll be a surprise for people, but I think oh. people who liked the other books will will all will be really excited by what it ends up being. Well, you have my head spinning right now, man, because for to think that you know he's going to take the art in a new level direction is just wow. <laughs> wow, I mean, man. Hayden, I will say this too, though, man. Like the few was the first comic book. I guess again, he there was a couple of other things he did around the same time, but it was definitely the first creator own book of his. Um, and just the degree that his, I mean, the work he did on the few is incredible, but seeing how his work has grown going into thumbs was like dumbfounding to me. And I can already start to see it in the pages. Like he's already sent a couple of pages of the new thing. And I'm like, he just is, he's continuing to challenge himself and get better and better. And it, it, it's kind of amazing to think where he, he's going to be, um, you know, 10 years road i'm like i don't know it's gonna be amazing to see what you're drawing yeah that's why when you mentioned his age uh it just it's like no man this is somebody that's been doing it for 21 years not mm -hmm. somebody that's a goddamn baby <laughs> this, this is this is crazy so yes really young man that... he's really young i look at him all the time and i'm like he's gonna be jack kirby man he's gonna because he he can also handle multiple books at a time and like his imagination is is pretty boundless. Like it's really fun because I'm like, oh, I can write him anything. Like I can describe anything and be like, can we do this in the book? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, um, what, the, so what made you decide to go with that uh, that that color tone, that that palette with thumbs? Is that something that you kind of said, hey, I just kind of want to have a little bit of a filter over this and maybe, you know, go with the 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 Sin City theory or theorem a little bit or you know was that was that his decision oh that was that was hayden you know wow. i mean say the good thing the thing about our collaboration a lot of times is we we're like 100 percent equal collaborators but we also are pretty hands-off with each other like you know every artist i work with it's very different um and like i would say like hayden like there's unless I ask him for a note on the writing, there's, there's never a note on the writing. And in a lot of ways it's the same in terms of the art. Um, he will run things past each other if we're having an idea. Like I'll be like, Hey, I'm thinking of doing this in the book. I mean like spoiler, like the end of thumbs, like I threw at him and I'm like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> like, and it, 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 it's probably going to, it might throw some people and it's, it's a pretty big ending. Um, and it's, it's gonna, a powerful ending, man. I'm so I'm, powerful. I'm it's, sad. I feel like that's been the overall response because there's always when you do that with a character without ruining it, like it, it can, um, you know, it's a big choice. Um, and it also means a finality to the book. Basically, it's it's basically going like if this book's a huge hit, we're walking away because there's not much else I can do beyond this. Yeah, and that's why I'm glad that you say there is no more because uh, yeah, it, honestly, I think if you were to come out with another thumbs, it, you know, I mean, I'm going to call you out for it now. If it happens, you're selling out because that's a <laughs> that's a perfect book. It's the perfect book. It's like Donny Cates' God Country. There needs to be no more. Right. Just let it be. And thumbs is at that level now. Just, just let it be. Let, let, let it be vaulted. It's, and it, it's the story. It, it's I mean, the story is complete in my mind. Like it, that's what the story was going to be. And, and it, so, in terms of the color scale, I mean, Hayden came to me was like, you know, I'm reading it. World feels really dark and really gray. Like the, these people feel kind of oppressed. So I'm thinking of going with this really kind of like almost monotone, like grayscale colors. And he's like, but the thing that's really alive is the technology. Yes. So, so he was neon like, I'm gonna, yeah. So he was just like, I'm gonna run, I'm gonna run this like neon 
for the technology throughout the book. And I was just like, that sounds amazing. Like, do it. Go for it. Uh, no, I, I immediately caught that pattern, and that's that's what I sell people on the book with, too. I'm like, look, this isn't just a, every once in a while you're going to see some pink. It's no. This is what – I mean, it, it's, it's almost like a, a key to right. what's going on. I mean, the, a key to the tone of the book. It, it's uh, – it's smart is what it is it, yeah it's really really smart and then that that little hint of teal that gets thrown in there uh, right. oh man right what, how he handles the outdoors too like so basically anything that like whether it's nature or the technology like anything that's a lot alive and vibrant more so than the people has color uh, like that's that's basically how it operates and i think the deeper you get into the book you start it starts hitting you like and more color starts growing as you're meeting different people and different things that like different factions have more color in their life than others. So like you end up having subconsciously like a, a conversation about class as well, you know, by, by where the color shows up or doesn't. Um, no, it's an amazing choice. Great choice on his part for sure. Uh, yeah, I definitely, I couldn't agree more. Um, so when creating thumbs, you sit, you sit down, you're, you're at a, um, your, your, your laptop and you got a blank piece of paper. What, what made you decide to go with this, uh, almost, well, I guess it's kind of a dystopian based situation. Um, I mean, what, what, what was the inspiration behind thumbs particularly for you as a writer? Cause there's, it seems like it's very connected to something in some way. Well, I mean, the very first thing was the image. I, I had an image in my head, both of the books I'd done with Hayden, even this, this third one, I, there's been just an image in my head that I'm like, I have no idea what the story is to this. But I, so I had, I had the picture in my head of Charlie on the, um, on the gurney. I just saw this, this like teenage kid on a gurney being run through this building of other teenagers who were kind of mocking him as, as he was kind of like dying. And so I was just like, Oh, I, I don't know what that is. I don't know. So I wrote that image first and started talking to, to Hayden about and I was like all I know is that at the end of it he's missing his sister like he wants to he wants to survive just so he can connect with his sister and Hayden was like oh I, I have a sister I'd love to do a story about that and then at that point I was like okay Hayden's in like let Boom. like start writing um and then I think it's just like general things that I wrestle with and have questions about all the time like um like technology it technology is a very weird beast in terms of like it totally has given me the career that I've had. Like in theater, I, like I said, like I don't live anywhere near any major city where the things I work on professionally happen, right? Like I don't live where comic books are made or editors live. I don't live where theater is made or theaters are, you know, or, or TV, but through email and through YouTube and being able to send samples, I'm able to have the career I want. So like I, I respect it and, and really need it for that. But then I also often feel like is it are like is it the pandora box like oh yeah it's the yeah it's it's the perfect storm because yes it's going to build us all up but it's going it's the surefire way we crumble for sure yeah. i mean technology is no doubt the downfall of society and man there's there's i don't see it going any other way technology is going to outrun global warming for sure so <laughs> uh i mean it's yeah, no, that's definitely a massive, massive problem, and I recognize this as well. So, 
it connected with me right off the bat because I'm I'm a I'm a tin I'm the king of the tin foils man like I I I'm all about a good conspiracy so to see something done in a non comical way like look no this is this is a real Hunger Games type of fucking scenario this this crazy evil bastard that's gonna come off kind of good uh, spoiler uh, is going to you know I mean yeah create this perfect world jeff bezos and uh, kill us all uh, and manipulate us all and create this world full of techno junkies and uh non-livers and all of this other shit and i mean i i find this to be a very and not super futuristic either man really not <laughs> like this is what that's it's almost a horror book to me in a sense so I, I it, it, it struck me in that well you know, because I think, I mean, you, I mean, you definitely hit on things that are are definitely influences, like between Zuckerberg and, and Bezos, kind of like the and, and Musk, like the rock star inventor, right? We're like the biggest rock stars in our universe right now. In my mind, are are these these you know social networking and computer entrepreneurs, right? Who we all know of, and we all know that they're infecting, like that they're all involved in our lives, whether we like it or not, like. If it's you, impossible to avoid. I mean, the fact that I, I I don't do Amazon creates such a fucking dent in my life, such an inconvenience in my life that I'm so adamant on protesting Amazon. The uh, yeah, but the, if I were to say, okay, well now I can't do Facebook, I I couldn't ha I couldn't have a career in comic book or podcasting, man, or at least not a very successful one. So it's uh, yeah, no, these these beasts already have a, a well. A, a threshold on us all yeah and i think like and w one of the big things that then played in it too is that there was the the school shooting down in florida um mm -hmm. and i'm seeing that all the students like giving um giving like their their address that cnn like broadcast and just made me think about it. i was like oh it's really fascinating where we're at like it, that's when everything kind of solidified because i i'd had pieces of it and hayden was starting to do sketches but i'm still looking for like what exactly is the at the center of this for me. And I think it's also as a young dad, but I was just like, oh, it's a really weird moment in time where like the younger people, like the people who are under 30 actually know how to operate the technology better than everyone over 30. Mm -hmm. And the technology is getting more and more weaponized, even if it's just verbal and intellectual, you know, weaponization. I'm like, so what's fascinating is that like teenager middle schoolers and teenagers and like seeing that public speak like these people these students speaking out and then like cnn is like starting to post their twitter like their twitter comments and like i was just like this is insane like we're looking to the children to save us because they know how to operate the technology better than us like this is a really weird moment that i never like I can't imagine my dad at any moment when I was 16 or 17, no matter what tragedy happened, going like – I mean in some ways in a bad way. He, I never imagined him asking me what I thought about it, like what my opinion is on it. But I <laughs> don't imagine him going like, you got to fix it. You're the one who has the tools to fix it. Go for it. That's where I was like, oh, that's scary to me is we're, we are hitting a moment where like we're turning to like 13 to 20-year-olds and going, hey – we can't get our message out to everybody. We don't know how to fight this fight online, right? Like, so we really need you to turn the public. We need you to be political. We need you to be the like soldiers, basically. And that that then started to solidify the whole concept of like, okay, there's school and everyone who's fighting for the most part are kids. And even when like 
the zealots of the power who don't believe in technology show up, the first thing they do is they start to indoctrinate the children. That it's becoming all about like how do we build up this youth, these youth armies, you know, then to fight this fight for us. Uh, it's terrifying, man. Because it's like I said, it's it's not far from being real at all. I mean, it's uh, th- this this book it, it hit home for me for sure for all of those reasons. And like I said, I'm you know Captain Tinfoil, but at the same time, uh, it's uh, I I could see anybody that's not necessarily all about the conspiracies and all of that stuff uh, be just right into this because it's. It's just so real. It's right here, no matter how you look at it. So, oh man, it's it's good to <laughs> it's good to hear it from coming from you. That's for sure. Because I wasn't sure if I was just in my own head here thinking, oh no, there's a, there's something to no, there's obviously something to this. So, oh no, you're right, right? on. You were right on. Cool, man. Cool. Um. Well, on dude, I. I'm I'm actually sitting here with my my notes, uh, all five pages that I took for when I did my my trade negotiation episode, and I'm realizing how much time I could actually spend picking apart this book with you at a trillion trillion questions about all of these characters. But uh, I, you know, at the same time, I, I want the I want the readers to to experience this for themselves and they're going to have a, a another chance here soon because like i stated earlier there's there's a trade dropping on this here uh with the 30th 29th yeah 29th two. yes yes yeah. the fifth wednesday oh man um i'm still gorgeous. gonna pick up the trade too i it's gorgeous he did he even did a new cover for it and his interior design is amazing for it like it's it's a very pretty book. <laughs> is, is there going to be any uh, extra content at all beyond the, the pages that we've already witnessed? There's n- there's one page of sketches, to be honest, because the, awesome. the whole book, Hayden and I especially, we're constantly trying to figure out how we can make the books an experience, but also how can we make them affordable. So I, mm. I think the page count for Thumbs comes in right around like 260 pages. But we're still only charging nineteen ninety nine for the book, so wow, it's man. so you know most trades are you know most trade paperbacks are like eighty to a hundred pages, so it's it's about two to three times the size of a traditional trade for just like a, a one penny under for about twenty dollars. That's that's awesome, man. Well, I mean, you no, know, we really want to make it so that it's so that you can you can read the books. It's just hard, you know, like. Uh, there's times where I, even for myself, I'm going to the store to buy a couple of trades to do research on. And I'm like, sometimes the older trades, I'm like, oh my God, this Swamp Thing book's going to cost me $35. Like, Yeah, man. <laughs> and then you get into the Marvel books where, I mean, it's it's even more expensive when you're doing, you know, you guys, so a, a $20 trade any day of the week, especially on, on this quality and quantity for that matter. That's that's a steal in my book, man. That's all the more reason I think people should be pre-ordering this stuff because then you get a little bit of a discount on it depending on your LCS. So you save even more money. And uh, But uh, if uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that the people um, do get their chance at this book the, this this final Wednesday in January because it's I, I see it moving quick. I really do. The word is out there about thumbs, and now at this point people are just anticipating another shot at it because – Oh, and the new cover. The new cover alone is worth picking up. <laughs> so, so cool. I, the moment he sent it to me, I was just like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, oh, he's a wonderful yeah. guy. 
I, I, I'm so excited to see what's next between the two of you and everything else that you have planned. Um, I, this is, this has been absolutely amazing, man. Do you, uh, I know that you kind of already gave a little bit of advice towards the beginning of the podcast. Have anything else that you want to end with, man? Any advice to a new creator or uh, anything um, that you want to plug anything like that? I think, you know, one of them, cause I, I just think, uh, um, I mean, maybe it's because I look at Twitter too much, but I, I think a big one that gets overlooked a lot of the time and it, because also because it can feel too new agey is like if at all possible and even if getting rejected and feeling like it's all closed on you, staying positive is going to do you an astronomical amount of more good for your career than not. Like it's all in the mindset, man. It's huge. It's huge for your own mindset. It's huge for attracting collaborators. Like people want to work with people that are that are positive. Um, you know, I think, I think the two biggest things I give advice wise are, are, are staying positive and also like not being scared if a project hasn't picked up to do another project and another project and to share them. I think people get, can get really scared about like, sometimes I have, I know a lot of people who will sit on work cause they're like, well, it's just not perfect yet. It's just not perfect yet. Um, like there's never been a perfect book that's been published. Um, there's been, there's amazing books. There are great books. There are books that I will go to my grave fighting for like the excellence of. There's never been a comic I've read where I'm like, this is this is probably the most perfect form of this that I've ever seen. You know, and that's not a knock on the books. It's it's the beauty of what we do. Is that like what that means is that even the greatest in our form have room to improve. Like uh -huh. the greatest in our form are still working. So like it's just a I think a bigger and better push to people to go like, no, get your work out and like keep working and, and share the work. Like it, it, it does off. It can feel like you're yelling into a void when you're sending stuff out. What I can say, I, just cause I've learned it from my own career. Like it's sometimes shocking to find out who's been following you the whole time, but just, n you never knew. Like you just were never <laughs> with like there's just times where I'll be at a comic con and an editor who like I've looked up to or I've been who or in my head I'm like I've tried to get in touch with them I've sent you a bunch of messages and they're like oh no you, I I know who you are I've read all your books like I like them I'm, I've got my eye on you and I'm like wait you got your eye on me like what what's going on <laughs> like so like you just never you just never know and that's that's terrifying and scary in a lot of ways but I also think it can be kind of um, if anything, it can be a really good push to just keep, just keep doing the work. Like, that's the biggest thing, right? Like, I'm sorry, I'm being repetitive, but like, no, you're. I, I think your point is very strong, and I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, you, you never know who's following you, and at the, yeah, it, but the more you put out there, the the it's the law of averages, and yeah, staying positive for sure. No one wants to work with somebody that doesn't like their work yeah. or down on. So, so, <laughs> so that, that would, that would be my, 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 my biggest, I guess, advice. I, I, once again, powerful advice, man, powerful advice for sure. Sean, this has been an absolute treat and a pleasure. And I hope to do this again sometime. Yeah. Um, Let me know. <laughs> I'm on game. Yeah. Fun. Cool, man. The next time you have something coming out, if you want to shoot me some some sample PDFs or whatever, <laughs> please send them my way. I can't wait to see more uh, Hayden Sherman work. That's for sure. And 
um, you, you, you've, you've got a powerful pen, my friend. You know how to write a gripping story just from the one I've read. And I've got a catalog of stuff to go back and catch up on myself. The first probably going to be the few and then go to clan killers. Coyote seems to, it all seems amazing, man. I read the synopsis for all of it. So, so again, I don't know how I missed you, but I'm glad thumbs, thumbs was the hook that reeled me in. Ah, you're not the only one. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm. I found thumbs though, man. I'm, I'm, I'm always happy when anybody reads any of the books. To be honest. Well, you have a forever champion of your work, that's for sure. Anything that Sean Lewis does is going to have the Cheers to Comics stamp behind it, because man, especially after getting to talk to you, now I know it's. It's a for real awesome guy writing all this for real awesome shit. So not shit, sorry. Amazing stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, now I'm being repetitive. I want to talk to you again soon by the end of the year. And sure. um, when the yeah, next we're going to talk. I'll, send, I'll shoot it your way and we'll do this again. Sweet. Sounds good, Chris. Well, you take care and uh, enjoy, enjoy the rest of your evening, sir. All right, man. Take care. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Well, there you have it. Slurred's another creator corner in the books. I don't know about you uh, as far as listening goes, but talking to Sean Lewis was an absolute treat. It was insightful. It was motivating. The guy had good stuff to say. And frankly, I'm excited for everything that there is to come with Sean Lewis, and especially with the team-up of uh, uh, Hayden Sherman as well in the future, and knowing that that is a thing in the works right now. I tried really, really hard to get him to say the name of the book. I did. I'm sorry. Sorry that didn't happen, but we, we know that it's going to be different, and I'm cool with Hayden Sherman taking things to another level. That's for damn sure, because the dude's already next level, and he's such a young guy. He's a young guy. Just, uh, it's crazy. He's a natural, but Sean himself, once again, an absolute treat, so uh, I hope you, you slurds enjoyed that as much as I did. Remember to support this podcast by becoming a patron, patreon.com slash cheers to comics. You'll be able to find episodes like this up way before they're available to the public, along with some other stuff that I'm going to be trickling in that's going to be exclusive to the Patreon page as as the podcast grows. Currently, right now, I'm going th- through some some developments with the show that I'm not really allowed to talk about yet, but it's all great things. So, uh, yeah. Uh, also, as always, shout out to NSCLiveTV.com. You're... you're uh, your home for all things comic books, really. Once again, crazy things fixing to come about with all that that I'm not allowed to talk about. But it's happening. So, uh, in the meantime, jump on nsclivetv.com for the best in auction action, as always. So, uh, yeah, I hope you have enjoyed all of this. You slurds, remember, read responsibly. Cheers, fuckers. Hey everybody, 
everybody, this is RJ, Ash, Ray, Brandon, Harrison, and Bronson. We host a Dungeons & Dragons podcast called Realms & Nerds. Some highlights of our show include wreaking havoc in every town we visit, blowing up hot tubs, killing off fan-favorite characters, high necromancers, inappropriate wedding etiquette, and every now and then, actually good storytelling. Join us in the realms of Pridea for fun fantasy adventures. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or just about wherever you get podcasts. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg, but their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're gonna get 180 pages of entertainment, action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Metahuman Affairs or DMA and check it out right now.